Now we are in the midst, in uh, the book of Luke, in the midst of teachings by Jesus, a sermon by Jesus called the Sermon on the Plain because it tells us there in the early verses of this section that Jesus came down off the mountain with his disciples and there was a large group that gathered around him in a, in a flat place. And so there was kind of an open field or area where everyone could stand around and hear Jesus speak. And Luke records for us all that Jesus said here, or at least a selection of what Jesus said in this Sermon on the Plain. Today we come to this section that speaks to us of how we are to get along in the world with others. Some challenging words before us this morning, so let us hear God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And for one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Or even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. May God bless reading and hearing of his holy word to us this morning. Well, our world is filled with strife, hatred, and violence. And if you've looked at the news this morning, you'll see that within the last 24 hours, there have been two mass shootings, one in El Paso and one in Ohio, Dayton, Ohio. And there have been others in the past few weeks as well. If you turn on the news or you look at social media, uh, you're hit with a barrage of arguments and name-calling and division and vitriol. And all of this strife is causing us to be anxious and on edge. We were on vacation a few weeks ago, and and, um, Sarah's parents like to watch the news, and, and it just makes me upset. I hate, that's not a vacation to have the news running for me. Uh, because there's so much division in our country, so, so much that gets us upset. Well, this morning we come to about as timely a passage as I can imagine for our context today. Jesus commands us, love your enemies, be generous to those in need, don't condemn, be forgiving. The world needs people more than ever who follow the commands of Jesus here. Back in 1965, 
Burt Bacharach and Hal David wrote a song that was recorded by Jackie DeShannon. Some of you will be familiar with it. Some of you will know that I'm showing my age a little bit. But the lyrics of the chorus are, What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. What the world needs now is love, sweet love, not just for some, but for everyone. Well, it's a nice sentiment, isn't it? And and it actually is, if you read the rest of the lyrics, it's actually a prayer to God. Well, it was written during turbulent times, 1965. Uh, It was a time of turbulence in our culture. There was unrest all around. Civil rights movement was going on and other protests and marches and... And, of course, the Vietnam War was about to really ramp up. And that was actually the subtext for this song, according to Burt Bacharach. Well, 50 years later, that song still has a nice sentiment, doesn't it? And 50 years later, that song hasn't made a difference at all. The world is not a more loving place because people have sung songs about love. Well, Jesus here is calling us not just to talk about love, but to actually love, to put it into action, to do something. He's calling us to love indeed, not in words only. Now, as Christians, we live in the world, but we're not of the world, the Bible tells us. But we are sent to the world. As Christians, we are citizens of heaven. Our our citizenship is in heaven, Paul says, and we await a Savior from there. We're members of God's family. Our identity is is not necessarily through uh, our ethnicity, through our nationality. It's not through our occupation. It's not through our family connections. These are all things that people use to identify themselves, to know who they are, but as Christians, our chief identity is that we belong to God. We are His. We are His people. Therefore, as His people, as His children, we adopt certain values, His values. We uh, we act a certain way because He has instructed us to do so. Our values are not the same values that the world has. James says friendship with the world uh, makes you an enemy of God. So there's a whole different set of values uh, and identity. There's a, a whole different lifestyle and way of viewing the world that comes with being a Christian. We don't view the world the same as an atheist, for example. Atheists believe that we're just food for worms, that this life is all there is, and when you die, it's all over. There's nothing else. And that shapes the way you live in the world. Well, as Christians, we are to be shaped by our values, by the values of Christ and his kingdom. So we're not of the world, but we live in this world. So we're members of another kingdom while simultaneously living in this earthly kingdom, this earthly domain. And Jesus is telling us how we are to carry the values of his kingdom into this world in which we live. 
We are to be, as he says in Matthew, salt and light. So the world is broken because of sin. It's a sinful world, and there's brokenness that comes as a result of sin. So things don't work. like The world is under a curse. The ground is cursed. Uh, Remember Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and God pronounces a curse on the land. To Adam, he says, you know, you're going to toil and sweat as you work the land and thorns and thistles are going to come up instead of this beautiful garden that, uh, that you used to live in. So even the, the whole world is in her curse and the world is groaning, Paul tells us in Romans 8, just waiting for that day when Christ will return and renew all things and make everything right like it's supposed to be, not broken like it is now. So in the meantime, we as Christians are to Live in this world like salt, Jesus says. What was you know, salt is something that we only use now primarily for seasoning. But in those days, it was used more primarily as a preservative to keep meat from decaying and rotting. And that's what Jesus means when he says Christians are to be salt. We are to make the world a better place. We are to to stem the tide of decay and rot in our society. If we do the things that Jesus talks about here, loving our enemies and forgiving and and, uh, being merciful to others, that will make an impact in the world. That will stem the tide of rot and decay. Jesus goes on there in Matthew and says we are, are to be light as well. We're the light of the world. To shine forth the truth the way things really are, the way things really should be. We should shed light on that by our words and our deeds. So Jesus here is helping us understand how we can represent Christ and his kingdom in this broken world in which we live. We're to be ambassadors for the Lord on earth. How are we to relate to the world as his ambassadors in these verses? Now, there are some very challenging verses here, some very challenging commands that Jesus gives us. I mean, if somebody comes up and punches you in the face, how hard is it to turn the other cheek? That's what it says here. Uh, When someone is your sworn enemy and is out to defame and abuse you, how do you love that person? How do you pray for that person? Truly, How do you show mercy to a person like that? These are some very challenging verses. They're not, they're not only challenging to carry out, they're challenging to understand. Now, when we come to interpreting verses such as these, um, how are we to understand them? How literal are we to take these verses? So there's a problem that comes when we look at verses that are difficult like these. Um, we tend to to interpret them in one extreme or another. On one hand, we're tempted to interpret what Jesus says here very broadly, but we also have this temptation to, to narrow it down. Or to put it another way, we either overqualify what Jesus is saying here or we underqualify it. When I say qualify, I mean... You know, you can, you can qualify what Jesus is saying here by saying, well, Jesus says this extreme statement, but 
you know, let's qualify that. Let's trim it down a little bit. Let's, Jesus really didn't mean this, and he didn't mean that, and he didn't mean the other thing. And you can, you can actually go to the extreme on that to the point where the verse loses all of its meaning. For example, some people explain away verse 29. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. They say, well, that Jesus is he's only speaking of an insult, like a slap, but that's not what the words are in Greek. It's not a commentary on self-defense, they say. Now, I think that there is a, a right to self-defense that we have. And, but how do we understand this verse? That's the point I'm making. We don't want to s- soften the edge too much of what Jesus is commanding here. But we also, on the other hand, we need to interpret these things with some nuance. You know, some people just want to go in the other direction. Look at verse 29 and 30. From the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. If you just don't qualify that at all, if you just say, well, just take it at face value, well, then you would be required to give your house and all your earthly goods to the person who stole your car. Now, that, that's certainly not what Jesus means there because he's interested in justice as well. So what is Jesus getting at in these verses? How are we to understand these verses which are frankly quite shocking when you read them? Well, Jesus gives us some guiding principles in the text, and and that's what I want to stress to you today, the guiding principles. And And I believe the most important guiding principle that Jesus gives us is verses 35 and 36. Look at those verses. He kind of sums up what he's been saying. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. So when you look at these verses about loving your enemies and blessing them and praying for them and turning the other cheek and being generous to those, even those who are taking advantage of you. How are we to interpret these verses? Well, interpret it like in in a way that demonstrates God's mercy. How, How has God shown kindness to the ungrateful and the evil? How has he been merciful? Well, How has God been kind to you? Because, you know, nobody likes to hear it, but we're all, by nature, evil. And we're certainly ungrateful, not as grateful as we should be. And nobody thinks they're evil. Nobody feels like they're evil. I I don't even know if Hitler thought of himself as evil. You know, you tell someone they're evil, it's an affront. It's uh, not a very kind thing to say, is it? But the Bible says that by nature, we are evil. Romans 5, 8 through 10. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood... 
much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. So scriptures make it clear that we are enemies and children of wrath, Ephesians 2. You were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, This is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works. We were evil. We were children of wrath. We were sinners. It's not your own doing, it is the gift of God. It's not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Works like loving others, not judging others, forgiving others. So how has God been kind and merciful to you? Well, he's rescued you. You were his enemy, a sinner. You deserved his full wrath to be poured out upon you. You didn't deserve mercy at all. You've done nothing to be able to get God's mercy to win his favor on your own. It was strictly out of his kindness of his heart that he reached out to you, opened your eyes and your heart by the power of his Holy Spirit so that you could see that you really need someone to save you. You really need to be freed from the power of sin and from the presence of sin, from the guilt of sin. Even though you didn't take the time to even recognize God, God reached out to you, opened your eyes and your heart to him, and he showed mercy. He sent his only son to die in your place so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. God is a merciful God. It would have been fair and right and just for God to take all of humanity and just Wipe all of humanity out. Send us all to hell. God has chosen to save, to save people. He has shown kindness. That's the controlling idea behind what Jesus is saying here. Have you received mercy? Has God been kind to you? Then treat others that way. Be an ambassador. You know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is someone who represents, for example, the United States to another country. They live in that country and they represent the interests of the United States to Bolivia or Israel or England or wherever there are 
uh, ambassadors. We're ambassadors for Christ. We represent Christ wherever we go, to whomever we meet. How can we represent Christ when we're judgmental, when we're unmerciful, when we're unforgiving, when, when we uh, retaliate, when we are wronged? Christ never did that. He was falsely accused, unjustly convicted, never said a word, beaten to an inch of his life, hung on a cross, said, Father, forgive them. And he died. And he did that for us. How shall we represent him? By having that same attitude, that same love, that same generosity, that same forgiveness, that same mercy to those around us. When we come to the table, we're reminded of all this. This is one of the ways that the Lord's table is a means of grace, a way that we experience God's grace. We are remembering His kindness and His mercy towards us. We are once again seeing how much He loved us as we think about Christ giving His body, shedding His blood so that our sins might be forgiven, so that we could be accepted into His family, be part of His church, of His people. So the table is a great passage. This is a great passage to be reflecting on as we come to the Lord's table. Because we're, we're His children, that's what makes us who we are, what Christ did. And so we're invited to be part of His family when we come to the Lord's table. So this week, as you head out into the world as ambassadors for Christ, think about those, these things. There's a lot more we could say about the nuances of how do we understand loving our enemies and how we understand uh, turning the other cheek and how we understand generosity. I mean, we can, there's commentaries on that that we could, we could refer to, but I'll just leave it at that because I really want today for us to just go out. I think if we go out with this idea of understanding how much we have been loved, how much mercy we have experienced, that will help us when we face that person at work, <laughs> that, that person that we're having trouble forgiving, that person that is really getting under our skin. Remember how kind Jesus has been to you and how merciful he has been to you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, that you would help us as we live our lives in this world, as we face all the division and disunity and fighting and even violence and injustice in our lives, in our world. Lord, it really does upset us, but we pray that we would be agents of change as Christians throughout the centuries have been. To, to go against the flow of society and not get caught up in all the rancor, but to be salt and light, to show love and grace and mercy and forgiveness and generosity 
in those places where it's most needed. We pray for all those who've suffered injustice and violence and other difficulties in life, Lord. And we pray that those who are believers, and even those who are not believers, would not allow us to devolve into even more violence and vitriol. Lord, may we see change in our world. And may your people lead that charge. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.